enjoyed preparing to share this message with you today, and I really pray that it would not just be something that you hear, but something that sinks deeper into your heart and into your life. The title of the message this morning is The House on the Rock. The House on the Rock. I'm going to get straight into it. This is one of the parables that Jesus shared. Jesus often did communicate in parables. I think one of the reasons is because he wanted those that were just casually seeking, not to really properly understand, but those that were diligently seeking to look a little deeper and see what is the master, what is he actually saying. And so this is one of the parables of the house on the rock. And it's interesting to note that he shared it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is one of Jesus' greatest times of teaching, where for a few chapters here, he sits down, he's up on the mountain, the disciples around him, many, many people are gathered on that hillside, and they are listening to Jesus' teaching. They're hanging on to every word he says. And he teaches and says many different things, covering a whole lot of different aspects and topics. And right here towards the end, you find this parable, the house on the rock. So let's take a look at this passage. We're looking at Matthew 7, verse 21. If you have your Bible, please follow in your Bible, else you're welcome to look on the screen. Matthew 7, verse 21 to 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does, would you say the word does? Yes. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Would you notice that word lawlessness? Very interesting. Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, would you say the word does? And does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, on to verse 25. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sands. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. That's the end of the parable. Then in verse 28, it goes on and says, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, not just this particular parable, but the sayings before part of the Sermon of the Mount, when he ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, 
not as the scribes. Let me tell you, authority in your life can begin to be seen in a greater way when you don't only hear and talk about the things of God, but you live the things of God. There is authority. And here in Jesus, they saw this in the greatest sense because, I mean, he was the word made flesh, the son of God. He was living it and he was talking it. And the way in which he spoke it astounded people as they realized that this is the truth. Come down from heaven. We are hearing things that we've never heard these scribes talk about. Now, Jesus' parable is not really about building construction. It's not about bylaws and uh, architectural building codes and building code violations. It is about a far more deeper spiritual truth that has been brought about through this story, this illustration. There are four points that I'd like to share with you based out of this passage. The first two I'll spend a little bit more time on, the second two a little less time. But point number one, there is a rock like no other. I want to say that loud and I want to say that clear. There is a rock like no other and his name is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? We have to be sure that we know and we believe it right down to our core. That we know that he is the rock. He is the rock of ages. And we had better build our lives upon him and he alone because he is the only foundation. Literally, he's the only foundation. People tend to think there's lots of foundations. No, he's the only foundation. It says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Is the word of God clear? <laughs> no other foundation. There's no other one that has been laid except Jesus Christ. And in the end, only that which is built upon Jesus Christ will endure forever. That's why our lives have to be built on Jesus. Just to clarify two terms here, we talk about the rock in this parable. The rock refers both to Jesus as the person of Christ, but the rock also refers to his words that are built up from that rock. The house, what does the house speaker speak of? The house speaks of the, the life that you and I are building. And so it's very important that we build in such a way that our house is well built and, and that's important. Psalm 18 contains three very powerful references to this aspect of God being the rock. Psalm 18, look at verse 2. It's on your screen. It says, the Lord is my, what's that word? Rock. And my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. Scripture clearly defines God as a rock. Verse 31 says, for who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? Notice that phrase, that second phrase, who is a rock except our God? I want to say to you that Eastern meditation is not a rock. Other religions are not a rock. 
Humanism is not a rock, but Jesus Christ is the rock. Undisputable, cannot be argued away, no one can try to undermine him. He is the rock of ages, immovable, stands forever, and we need to live with this reassurance in our hearts. And then verse 46, the last of three references in Matthew 18, it says, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Won't you say that verse 46 with me out aloud? Say it together. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. So in terms of this, just to understand clearly that firstly, we are built upon Christ Jesus as the rock. But then we are also built up with the word of God. So there's these two aspects, built upon Jesus, but built up with the words of God, the words of Christ, the words of the Bible. And this is a sure way of building. Also, we see in scripture around this aspect of the rock that the church is built on the rock. Not only your life, but the very church of Jesus Christ is to be built on the rock, who is Jesus Christ himself. And it says in Matthew 16, verse 15 to 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to them, who do you say I am? Firstly, he says, who do others say I am? And there's some answers. And, and then he says, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, but you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we know that by spiritual revelation, God had given that to him in that moment. The Holy Spirit had revealed that. And out of that moment of revelation, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And you know what? The church, even with its weaknesses and shortcomings, I want to tell you the church is of Jesus Christ is set up to succeed. In the end, it will succeed. The Bible says that God will reveal his manifold wisdom through the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because it is founded on the rock, Christ Jesus. Would you say amen? amen. You know, today's parable about the house on the rock it reminds me of an old hymn called Rock of Ages. How many of you have ever heard of that hymn, Rock of Ages? And the main line in the hymn, I actually took a look at the four verses while I was preparing, and not all the verses, verses are very well known, but this line is well known. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Now, this was written by a preacher. I understand he was a Methodist preacher, his name was Augustus Toplady. He was a man. <laughs> he wrote it in 1763. And at the time when he wrote it, he was only 23 years of age. And I just want to say that I believe that God is wanting songs to be released from this church, from this city, from this nation that will bless the body of Christ across the world. There might be some 23-year-olds here today, or younger, older, whatever, and God is stirring your heart to release songs. I want to tell you, take the example of Reverend Augustus Toplady, 
At the age of 23, here he wrote this song. And you know what? He only lived 15 years after that till the age of 38. But he wrote this hymn in an interesting situation. He was taking shelter in the crevice of a rocky gorge. And here, as he was taking shelter in this crevice because there was a severe storm that had come through, he's in the crevice and he's amazed at how this rock is actually protecting him from the severe storm and suddenly something stirs in his heart and he realizes, you know what, the rock of ages will shelter me from every conceivable storm in life. Beautiful story. <laughs> I mean, essentially he's going from one town He's off to another town, hits a major storm, and he's into the rock. And right in this rock, God births a psalm. And he says, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Isn't that a beautiful story? Number one, there is a rock like no other. Number two, there is a difference between rock builders and sand builders. This is a very important point. I'd like you to concentrate a little bit of a deeper level. So there is a world of difference between these two types of builders. And we need to make sure that we understand both types and, and kind of how they function and that we gravitate always to the rock builder aspect. Now, in order to understand this correctly, we need to look at the context of the parable. As I said to you that the context of the parable is the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching kingdom principles. As people are listening, they're hanging on to every word. They're listening to the principles he's teaching. They're astounded as he's teaching. But in the midst of his teaching, he says to them, but if you do not put these words of mine into practice, you are automatically a sand builder. <laughs> Conversely, whereas he says that if you apply these principles, what it says in the verse there, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount and Scripture in general, whoever applies the principles, you are automatically a rock builder. How many of you here want to be rock builders today? My hand is up. And so we need to look at the Sermon on the Mount, and we need to either apply the principles or intentionally not apply the principles to get two pictures of the two types of builders so that we can understand this effectively. So here goes. I'm going to try to describe how a sand builder operates. But before I do that, just one scripture, Matthew 7, verse 26. Have a look at it. It's out the Message Bible. It says, but if you just use my words in Bible studies, how's that? <laughs> and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter. Would you say to the person next to you, you are like, no, 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 please don't say that. <laughs> you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. Have you ever been in the context of a Bible study, small group, life group setting, and you know that one or two people, they can quote scriptures, they've got a lot of word in them, they talk a lot, but you think to them yourself, this guy just doesn't live it. It's a sand builder. Now, sand builders, I'd like to describe them to you based on the context of the Sermon on the Mount, drawing things out and creating a picture. Here goes. Sand builders depend on themselves. Sand builders are 
very often proud. They don't really desire God. Sand builders don't show mercy. Sand builders are okay with perversion. It doesn't really bother them. Sand builders stir up strife, especially if it's in their interests and they're going to get a contract through that strife. No problem, they'll stir it up. Sand builders permit darkness. Sand builders will easily call somebody a fool. Whereas the Bible says, never call anybody a fool. No problem, they'll call them the whatever. <laughs> Sand builders feel feathers for divorce. Sand builders take oaths. Do you know that the Bible says we should not take an oath? It's amazing how many Christians just violate this principle. They say, ah, oh, it doesn't really care, it doesn't really matter. I want to tell you, don't take an oath. The Bible says you mustn't. Because anything beyond your yes being your yes and your no being no, the Bible says is of the evil one. And therefore God views oaths in a serious light. This week I had to sign some documents and wherever it says oath, I cross out oath and I write above it, affirm. I hereby affirm. I don't take an oath. Sand builders, besides for that, they want to get revenge. They're also only kind to their friends, their buddies, and they look after each other. Sand builders build an empire for themselves. That is a bit of a description of sand builders and how they function. Now, in terms of sand builders, we need to realize that these are actually people who practice lawlessness, according to Matthew 7, verse 23. They don't put the principles of God into action. They're a law unto themselves, and they do exactly as they please. And one day they're going to come knocking on heaven's door and say, Lord, Lord, open. And the Lord's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practiced lawlessness. You who never put my sayings into operation. You who thought this was a big joke. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now I'm going to try. Would you just take a breath for a moment? Okay, the, the, the sand builders is over. You can come and pick it us. All right. Now I'm going to try to describe rock builders and how they operate. Rock builders, they love to depend on God. They, they really try. Rock builders walk in humility. They hunger for God. They genuinely desire God. Rock builders act with mercy. Rock builders try to seek purity. Rock builders live at peace with others. They are peacemakers. Rock builders shine God's light, whereas others are just, oh, I don't care about the darkness. Rock builders feel they have to shine the light of God. Rock builders see people as made in the image of God. Whereas the other guys, they just say, no, this person's a fool, absolute fool. Rock builders say, no, 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 everyone's made in the image of God. Everybody has a purpose in life. Rock builders are grieved at the thought of divorce. Rock builders let their yes be their yes, and their no be their no. Rock builders try to turn the other cheek and not seek revenge. Rock builders are kind to all people, not just to their mates who are going to look after them. And lastly, rock builders build God's kingdom. They're not out to try to build their own empire. Isn't it fascinating as you take the passage and the context and begin to create these descriptions, you begin to see a better picture 
of what a wise man is who builds his house on the rock and a foolish man who builds his house on the sand, you get to see the picture a little bit more clearly. How many of you can wave a hand and say, yeah, I see something more clearly today. And so I'm asking you today, are you building your life upon God's words? Look at Matthew 7 verse 24, the message translation will appear on your screen. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life or home improvements to build your standard of living. They are foundational words. Would you please say foundational words? They are foundational words to build your life on. And we need to realize how serious it is, this thing of building our lives on God and in Christ. This is foundational. We're not wanting to be sand builders that do little home improvements, look okay, but wait until the storm comes. We wanted to be rock builders, so firm, so secure, that we know that we will withstand the storms and the tests of life. I want to share with you a little story. When I was growing up, I had a friend of mine, he was about a year older than me, let's say I was 13, 14 years of age. He was also a pastor's kid. And by the way, sometimes it's difficult to be a pastor's kid, just for your information. <laughs> and so this guy, uh, we used to skateboard a lot together. He was quite a lot better than me, and uh, we used to skate together. Can you picture me on a skateboard? Hey? <laughs> This guy even built his own half pipe and won some competitions and so on. So here he is. Uh, we're both very into our skating. We'd skate a lot. And I'd spend some time with him as we'd fulfill our hobby. But it became apparent to me, I only realized it really now what he was doing, but he was actually building his life on the sand. And it didn't seem to bother him. He couldn't care. He had a careless attitude. But what was also very serious, besides for building his house, his life on the sand, is that many times he would curse his father. He would say the most ghastly things and curse his father. He hated his father. I said to him, no, 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 dude, don't do that. It's wrong. You mustn't. You mustn't do that. He wouldn't care what I say. He'd do it anyway. I tried to be a positive influence in his life, but he was so on his own mission that many times I would try to speak up. I would try to speak up, and he'd curse his dad. Let me just tell you something. There is a scripture Proverbs 20, verse 20. It says, He who curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put in outer darkness. So the Bible says. And boy, oh boy, did this guy's lamp get put in outer darkness. His life began to take some terrible turns as he began to do just what he pleased, live lawlessly. He built his life on rebellion. He built his life on drugs. He built his life on theft. And eventually he ended up spending some years in prison, a miserable life. His life had totally fallen apart. His life was in a mess because he had built on the sand. But you know, his parents never stopped praying for him. I always say, if you've got a praying mom, you ain't got a chance. <laughs> his parents never stopped praying for him. And those prayers began to build, uh, return fruit 
And you know what? He began to change because he began to build on the rock, Jesus Christ, and everything began to change. Praise the Lord for what God did. He is a different man today. He's in love with God. Here he is. He's married to a lady. He's got a child. They are blessed. They're living down in Cape Town. And you know what? I see on his Facebook posts all the time, he's giving scriptures. He's saying what God has done. He's rejoicing in the Lord's goodness. Can we give the Lord a hand for a testimony of a changed life? You see, only God can do that and change a person like that. And recently, I see he posted a photo on Facebook of his dad. Beautiful photo of his dad. I think it might have been around Father's Day. And this was the comment. He said, this is my dad, capital M-Y. This is my dad, truly the most amazing man I know, best husband and father, as well as grandfather. Praise God for my dad. Love you, pops. Come on, let's give the Lord another hand. There's a huge difference between where you build. Point number three, the wise builder is a doer, someone who is serious about obedience, who works the word into their life. It's almost like if you've got soil and you work fertilizer into the soil. The wise man is a doer. He works it into his life. The previous point might have seemed quite similar, but it's different because that was focusing on the differences between these two types of builders. Now, this focuses on the doing aspect. In other words, the wise builder is a doer. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 13. Also from the message version, it says, Merely hearing God's law is a waste of your time if you don't do what he commands. Doing, not hearing is what makes the difference with God. I want to say, folks, as we have the Word of God, when we do it, that is what makes the difference with God. How many of you want to be a doer of the Word? It's so powerful. And this brings us to the question, what is your attitude towards the Word of God? This story is actually about our attitudes and how we position our hearts and our attitudes towards God's Word. Do you see God's word as containing, as containing the very words of life? Do you see the word of God as something which you have to cling to? I trust that you see it that way. Listen to what George Christie, a commentator, said. Listen very carefully. I think it's a powerful statement. In our attitude towards his word lies our spiritual peace and permanence, all our spiritual ruin. Very powerful. The scripture says in James 1, verse 22 to 25, in the New Living Translation, it's on your screen. It just talks about being a doer. I don't have time to read through that now. But in essence, it says, do what it says. The word of God, do what it says. Don't be like somebody who walks and looks in a mirror and then you walk away and you forget what you look like. But no, look in the mirror of the word of God. Look deeply into the law of liberty and see who you are, and then you walk away and you make the changes to become more like Jesus, becoming more and more like our King. 
So the emphasis here is be a doer, be a doer, be a doer of the word. Why don't you say to the person next to you, be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Now, take a look at the picture on your screen on the next slides. Isn't that an interesting picture of a rock builder and a sand builder? And on the left-hand side, you have the rock builder, and he is a doer of the word. He takes these sayings of Jesus, and he puts them into action. And on the right-hand side, you have a sand builder, and he only hears but doesn't do. And you can see that that house is built on sand. There must have been a major storm. It's crashed and cracked totally in half. But the one on the left stands secure as being built on the rock. I'm sure you'll agree as you look at those two pictures, that's quite a contrast. And that's why in all the wisdom of heaven, Christ is saying, build on the rock. Say this after me, please. By God's grace, grace, I am a doer doer of the word. word. I hear his word word. and I do what it says. The last point, which is a brief one. Since you're built on the rock, you can be assured that you will withstand the storm. There might be some people here today, you're thinking, well, will I withstand the storm? And, and the answer is yes, because your foundation's right, and you're building the walls of your life with the words of Christ. You have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. But bad weather and storms of adversity can sure test our foundations. Isn't that right? When those torrential rains come. Those floods, those winds. Can I ask by a show of hands, how many of you can say in your life you have honestly faced some severe storms in your life? Raise a hand if that's you. But here you are, still standing in the grace of God. Wow. The foundation has already held. It has been secure. We also need to realize that when the storm hits, it's too late to build the foundation. The foundation must be built before the storm. And then when the storm comes, you know what happens? You just simply stand because everything is in place to ensure your success. And let me say, sometimes when you are facing a real storm like a a retrenchment or a severe illness, or maybe something like a loss of a loved one. When you're facing a real storm like that, oftentimes we tend to feel very low. Emotionally, we feel so weak. We feel like we can't make it. But you know what? You just keep standing because your foundation is in place, and I declare and believe that you will weather the storm in the mighty name of Jesus. Verse 25 of Matthew 7 on your screen, it says, And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. As I draw to a close, I want to say this. That one day, there will be a great judgment day. And the Bible tells us that every man's work, every person's work, will be tested. But I want to say to you, your life in Christ will stand. The test. There is nothing to fear. There is everything to look forward to for those who are in Christ. My closing statement, God is our rock, immovable, 
and everlasting. Won't you say that together with me nice and loud? God is our rock, immovable and everlasting. Would you stand and we close in prayer? Lord, your word to us today is clear, it's unmistakable. And we declare that by your grace, we are building on the rock. We are being built up by the words of Christ. We will be doers of the word. And thank you that by your grace, we will withstand every storm. I speak to people right now that are facing severe storms in their lives and it feels like you're about to collapse. And I declare in Christ, you will overcome that storm. You will come forth as gold. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I speak a release of faith into the hearts of men and women, young and old in this place. I speak a release of faith knowing that we stand sure on the foundation because there is no other rock besides Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Lord, now I bless your people. Would you just uh, receive this as a blessing from the, the Lord? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. And we all say together, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody.